Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy you guys came after Easter. <laughs> Normally it's like, ooh, crickets, so this is awesome. You know, someone made a joke to me last week and they're like, oh, you know, there's those Easter Christians or like the Easter Catholics or whatever. And, you know, I get what they're saying, that they only come one time a year, but I say come because you're going to get inspired. You're going to be reminded of why we come and unite together and commune together and they have this experience. So, you know, I wanted to share just something that I deal with a lot of times. So I practice yoga and I teach yoga, but I'm a very devout practitioner of the yogic practice. And it has its own philosophies. They're very, very, they're pretty much the same that we study here as well. But whenever I practice and I tell them that I can't come on a Sunday, or I can't teach on a Sunday. They're like, but why? And I'm like, well, I, I go to church. Oh, no, 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 no. This is your church. This is your church. And then when I go and I talk to people who are Christian or of a particular faith, and I tell them I practice yoga, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. That's so bad. You know, you got to be careful with the yoga. What are you guys chanting, right? And it just makes me laugh because there is no difference. God, I'm going to tell you a secret, and I, I think most of you all know it, but God is not only in this building. You're not only experiencing God because we are at the Heartway Scandinavian Center, right? Neither am I only experiencing God when I am at a particular yoga studio. And that's the truth. It's understanding that God is in and through everything. It's just we get together and we get to experience him together. And that's beautiful. But when you step out of these doors, God is also with you. And I bring that up to say that the only, one of the only ways I've realized that I can understand this is through going deep within myself and starting to find the God within me and finding that home which God resides in inside of myself. And a perfect way to do that is through centering prayer and really meditating with yourself. You know, we get so distracted with our thoughts, with our life, with our struggles, our pains. You know, life is not easy. It's a blessing for sure, but it's challenging at times. And if we can take some time with ourselves to just breathe, connect with God, connect with His love, I, I think it'll give you some peace and some remembrance of that blessing that God really is in your life. So I want to guide you all today to find yourself nice and comfortable here seated and allow your spine to be nice and long. 
We have the spine long so that our chest can be open, our stomach can be open, nice and tall. And you're gonna allow the eyes to close just so that the awareness can stay deep within yourself. And I want you to allow your palms to face up so that we can receive the energy. And let's slowly begin by deepening our breath, gently inhaling, filling up the belly nice and big. Then slowly exhaling, releasing all of the air. Again, we slowly inhale nice and big, really fill up that belly. And as you exhale, send that belly button to the spine, release all of the air. One more together, we slowly inhale, fill up the belly nice and big, then vocally exhale it all out. Continue this breathing. Allow yourself to really settle down. Let's allow the shoulders to come down a little bit more. Unclench the jaw. Just allow yourself to settle down in this moment. As we settle down, we start to let go of all the tensions within the body, all the tensions within the mind. We start to release all that's unserving to us. We start to release control. We let go of yesterday. Our focus is in our breath on this present moment. Not worrying about what's to come. We allow ourselves to find a space of stillness, a space of tranquility a space of release. We let down all of our walls. We let down all the barriers we've placed on our hearts. And with each breath, we open up a little bit more. Opening ourselves up to God's grace sinking into his love. Comforted with his strength. In this moment, we understand that we can let go and that when we fall, we fall right into his arms, into his embrace. The more you let go, the more you'll receive. The more peace you'll experience. Allow yourself to let go. Allow your mind to settle down. Allow the heart to open up. And allow your soul to connect 
with the divine in this moment. Reminding yourself that there is no separation. You are a part of God. You were created in his image. There is nothing you can do to not receive his love, to not receive his guidance. Just allow yourself to let go. Welcoming all the abundance that you deserve. Welcoming all the love that's within your heart. Welcoming all the grace, all the forgiveness that you deserve. You are his child. And heaven is right here with you, underneath your feet. Allow yourself to really release into this peace. Take another deep breath with me. Slowly inhaling nice and big, really filling up your belly. And vocally exhaling it all out. A little bit slower this time, we inhale nice and big, really fill up the belly. Allow the breath to rise towards the chest. Exhale. On this last one, we take it even slower. Inhale gently. Breathe in a little bit more. Hold the breath here for three, two, and with a big smile, we vocally add. Take a moment now to set an intention for yourself. My intention for you all is that this peace stays with you. And when you're ready to open your eyes, you choose a lens filled with love, that you can see life, how God is seeing it through you. When you're ready, gently blink open your eyes. May peace and love always be with you. Amen, my friends. Good morning, everybody. 
welcome to Heartway. Happy Sunday. So glad that you're with us. So grateful that we get to spend this time together every week. It's like recharging the battery, you know, and, and lifting up our spirits. We go through so many ups and downs on a day-to-day basis. And when we come to a place like this, kind of helps us find our footing again. People tend to describe their emotional life oftentimes as a roller coaster. It's nice to kind of steady things out, stabilize for a little bit. And I feel like that's what we do when we come together on on Sunday morning. So I'm grateful that you're here because your presence is what makes uh, this community so special. Many of you know I I work in hospice. And this week I was uh, with a patient of mine in Miami. And this patient, she's probably like 79, 80 years old. And she's not clear mentally, very disoriented, very confused. She cannot speak. Her demeanor looks like like a little child. She looks like a little girl. She's just playing with like, literally they gave her like a little doll and she's playing with this doll, looking at it. She doesn't speak. She doesn't say anything. It's just like this innocence. And I was talking to her husband. They've been married for 55 years. And basically, he's been taking care of her for the last two years because her health started declining very rapidly. And he was telling me how difficult it is to even be in the same room with her because he starts to, to, to tear up and get really sad to see her like this. He can't communicate with uh, the love of his life. And so I was there. and. Talking to him, talking to the family, there was a a nurse that was present as well. And at one point, I just looked over to the woman and I just told her, I love you. And miraculously, because literally that's what it was and what it felt like. This woman who has not spoken for who knows how long, this woman who is not clear mentally, looks at me waves, says, God bless you, and thank you. The husband starts breaking down. He can't control himself. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I haven't heard her say a word for two years. That's what he says. She hasn't spoken to me. I haven't spoken to her in two years. And for some reason, the words that came out of my mouth in that moment were, I think she felt my heart. And I don't know if that's true, but I would like to think that she felt the love that was in that room in that moment, and it awakened something in her. And when I got to my car, I I remember breaking down on my way back home um, in gratitude, so much gratitude to be able to share in that holy moment. And then also, I felt like it was a gift from God to me for this woman to communicate with me in that way. What is it about me? Why? Why? And what that made me reflect on was how beautiful, how beautiful it is to share in these kind of heart-to-heart moments with other human beings. There's nothing like it. When you can connect on a heart level with another individual, There's an exchange of energy that happens that I only know how to describe as the presence of God. When you're tapped into that heart energy, that love energy within you, you impact people much more by your presence 
than you do by your words. Oftentimes, we try and help people with our words, but people forget the things that we say very quickly. They never forget how we make them feel. In fact, you can have all the right words, all the correct words trying to help and advise another person, but if the energy behind it is off, it nullifies everything that you say. It blocks people from, able, from being able to be receptive to what it is that you have to offer to them. Heart energy, love energy, is something that no one can deny. It's a universal language. Even if someone doesn't speak, they can hear it. Even if they communicate a different language, they can understand it. Everybody knows and feels and is receptive to the energy of love. The thing about it is, though, that a lot of people nowadays are very disconnected from their heart. It's very rare to find people who are genuinely connected to their heart. In the Gospels, Jesus even says that one day the love of many will grow cold. And I can see why. We respond to the harsh realities of life by becoming harsh ourselves. And we think that the only way we can protect ourselves from all of the suffering and pain that comes with human existence is by shutting off our hearts. We refuse to feel anymore. But when you're not connected to love, when you're not connected to vulnerability, when you're not connected to your emotions, life loses everything that makes it worth living. It, it loses its vitality, its, its vibrancy. The heart connects you to everything around you. Love, it's what you are, it's what you were made for. And this is why the scriptures say in the book of Proverbs, to keep your heart with all vigilance because from it flow the springs of life. A lot of us disconnect from our heart. We shut down our hearts. We don't wanna tap into the heart. The scriptures say keep your heart, value it above everything because that is where real life flows from, eternal life, the life of God. If you want a higher quality of life, it comes by connecting to your heart. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition of Christianity, there's a book called the Philokalia. I've mentioned it before. It's been very impactful for me. It was like my Bible for a little while. And uh, this text is a collection of writings from all of the spiritual masters of the Christian East. And as you read through the Philokalia, a lot of these uh, words and teachings and lessons were given by people who lived in monasteries, monks, who passed down these teachings and practiced these teachings and really dedicated their life to uh, devotion and faith and prayer and meditation and silence and stillness. In this book, the Philokalia, which means the love of the beautiful, one of the phrases that is repeated over and over and over again. It's their primary spiritual practice. And it's this idea of bringing your mind into your heart. Drop your mind into your heart. Put your mind in your heart. Stabilize your mind in your heart. And for them, the way you master your mind is by opening your heart. You master the mind by opening your heart. Look at what it says in the New Testament. The mind governed by the flesh or ego is death. 
But the mind governed by the spirit, the heart, is life and peace. When the mind is governed by ego, we become very judgmental, defensive, negative, overbearing and critical. When the mind is governed by the heart, we become open, empathetic, impartial, selfless. And these are two totally different modes of experiencing reality. When mind and heart are disconnected, we are very quick to find fault with other people. We are very quick at criticizing everything and everyone around us. But when the two become one, when there's a synergy that happens between mind and heart, love now starts calling all of the shots. Love becomes the filter through which you see and feel everything around you. And that love, that heart space becomes your anchor. In those moments when the ego starts yelling really loudly, when somebody tries you or triggers you or hurts you, and all the voices in your head want to get revenge and blame, or you want to get the last word, or you want to act like you're superior than others, or the pride starts creeping in, when those voices start becoming very overwhelming, if you've learned how to make your, your home in your heart, if you could just bring your mind into your heart for a moment and stay there, you begin to quiet down that voice of judgment and amplify that voice of love. And by making your home in your heart, you begin to learn how to discern between those thoughts that lead to life and peace and those thoughts that lead to stress and agitation. This is why the way to master the mind is by opening the heart. Because when you open your heart, now, from that place of stillness, you don't attach yourself to everything that the ego presents to you. You realize that not every idea in your head is a good idea. Not every judgment is a right judgment. Not every inclination you have is an inclination that's going to lead to more life and peace. And so you welcome the thought. You let it be. And then it goes. You don't take the bait. Once you take the bait, the negativity hooks you and you're in it. You're in it now. When you live from your heart space, love becomes your default mode of operation. And that is what helps you to discern and decipher what thought patterns you're going to go with and which ones you're going to say, thanks for being here, but no thanks. There's no use for you. Look at this um, passage of scripture. Oh, excuse me. This is a quote from uh, one of these Eastern Orthodox teachers. He says, all of your inner disorder is due to the mind and heart, each going their own way. You must unite the mind with the heart. Then the tumult of your thoughts will cease and you will acquire a rudder to guide the ship of your soul a lever with which to put all your inner world in movement. Another quote along these lines. Do you wish to grow wise in discernment of thoughts? Descend from the head 
into the heart. Then you will see all thoughts clearly as they move before the eye of your sharp-sighted mind. But until you descend into the heart, do not expect to have due discrimination of thoughts. That's it. By making your home in your heart, now you can recognize the true from the false. Now you know what is of God and what is of ego. And to know that difference is the difference between peace and prison. The prison of your own ego, the prison of your own negativity, the prison of your own judgment, which keeps your world so small, keeps you so angry, keeps you at the center of the whole thing. It's a very tiring and exhausting way of living. There's a Scottish philosopher and theologian from the medieval times by the name of Richard of St. Victor. And he said that God gave humanity three sets of eyes. The first are the eyes of the senses or our physical eyes. The second are the eyes of reasoning or the intellect. And the third are the eyes of true understanding or the eyes of the heart. Enlightenment, salvation, being one with God is about learning how to see through those third set of eyes, the eyes of your heart. I've talked about often the process of deconstruction that I've been through when it comes to Christianity. I went through a season of literally questioning everything. And at the end of that journey, the only thing that was left was love. That's just my story. That's just my journey. Danny, what do you believe about this? How do you interpret this Bible verse? What do you think about what happens after you die? I don't know. All I know is love. I leave all those questions now to the experts. You guys can debate about it all day. And meanwhile, what's so funny is because I get a front row seat on all the smart people with PhDs and demons on Twitter arguing about, you know, philosophical, theological stuff, and they fight about God. No, God is like this. No, God is like that. And they kill each other over this. I used to be a part of those conversations. No, this Bible verse means this. It doesn't mean that. I hate you. You're the worst person in the world. It's like, bro, what? This is, we're talking about God. And you're supposed to be someone who loves God and you follow God, but this is what you're caught up in? It's all rubbish. It's all a waste of time. Love was the great deconstructor of my faith. It burnt up everything everything that does not belong. And it, was, it, it, it is the sturdiest, strongest, most secure foundation that I have ever found in my life, love. And what I've learned through this process is that nothing you learn from a book about God could ever compare to what love can teach you. If you really wanna know God, be a lover. Be a lover and love will teach you everything there is to know about God. And, there's ne and there, that road doesn't have an end. It goes on forever. There's always more to learn. Love is infinite. It's eternal. You never get to the end of it. And so you just spend all of your existence exploring the beauty of love, the beauty of God. That's what it means to see through the eyes of the heart. A lot of us 
aren't capable of seeing through the eyes of true understanding because we put an over-reliance on the other set of eyes, the eyes of our senses, our physical eyes, which it's funny because I, I called Ryan like 11 o'clock on Wednesday night. I'm like, and he, this man's going to bed. And I'm like, hey, bro, dude, I'm, I'm working on this message for Sunday. And I, honestly, I don't even really feel like Googling this stuff. Can you just drop some science facts on me on how our eyes deceive us? And he's like, yeah, bro, I got you, man. He's like, give me a second. He starts spitting all these facts. They're so complicated. And I'm like, I'm not going to say that. I can't, I can't. Those words are too big. But what I got from our conversation, okay, was... This is how our eyes deceive us. Think, look at this. Our eyes can only see a very, very tiny fraction of the entire electromagnetic spectrum. Our ears can only hear a very tiny fraction of the entire sound spectrum. And everything that we call solid matter, scientists say is 99.9999% empty space. Really, there is, there is nothing solid because it's all just energy in motion. So our eyes are literally deceiving us right now. But we put so much of a reliance and overemphasis on what we can see. The eyes of reason. Oh, this is one where we love to rely on our logic. We love to rely on our own intellect. There's a philosopher by the name of Blaise Pascal. He has this wonderful statement. He says, I think we may have it here. The last function of reason is to recognize that there are an infinity of things which surpass it. That is the last function of reason. My own studies in philosophy and theology led me to this place. I was so frustrated that there were so many experts that disagreed about everything. And this is in every area. Science, COVID has brought that to light. Everybody uses science to defend their point of view of should we wear masks or vaccines or not, right? And everybody has doctors. Everybody has doctors to back them up. All the philosophers, all the religious people have, have people with PhDs to back them up. And everybody says something different. So what's the truth? I got so confused and so frustrated in my pursuit of truth because I wanted certainty. I wanted answers that eventually I had to give up. And it was um, very difficult to experience that. But it's the best thing that could have ever happened to my spirituality because I finally came to realize that there are an infinity of things which surpass my logic. And here's the other thing about logic. You can believe something as much as you want. 100% believe in something. But logic can never prove with absolute certainty that anything is true. Every argument can be doubted. There's always a hole in every argument. There's always another side to it. And it's never ending. Logic and intellect cannot prove anything completely. But we're scared of not knowing. We're scared of not having certainty. But that's what faith is all about. You don't need to know. And in that not knowing, you know. It, really. You know that you don't know. And, the, and, and that is the foundation. 
And somebody says, well, that sounds like there's no foundation at all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We are floating through space on a rock that's spinning. That's crazy. I don't know what foundation you're looking for. So we can't put too much of an emphasis on our intellectual prowess, on our ability to know things through logic. If you want to know God, you got to get in touch with your heart. The journey to God is from your head to your heart. And it is the longest, most difficult, challenging journey that any human being can make in their life. The journey from head to heart. Look at this quote from Richard Rohr. He says, we have to somehow live a life that's connected to the heart. Otherwise, we get into head ideology, righteousness, opinionatedness, and insisting on the right or wrong words. All are ways of avoiding the heart and staying in the head. And this is something that is especially important for those of us who are religious or spiritual to capture. Because you can do a lot of good. You can say a lot of good. But what is your intention behind what you're saying and doing? Oftentimes we don't even realize or recognize how the good that we are doing is serving an egoic purpose. And if you really evaluate yourself, if you're truly honest with yourself about why you even do the good that you do, why you're spiritual in the way, why you're as religious as the way that you are, if you're honest, you will find a little seed of self-righteousness. And when you do, you will be able to say, like Paul in the New Testament, I am the worst of the sinners. That's why I like hanging out with sinners, because I know I'm literally worse than them, because I have chosen this path of righteousness. And there are times when I've done this for me. I like how it feels when people attend. You don't think like some, why do you think so many religious leaders, spiritual leaders are egomaniacs? Because it's an addiction to, you, you get addicted to, to, the, to the applause and the approval and everyone affirming you. And when you, when you can find that in you, I'm nothing, I'm no one. Because I've, even the good, yeah, I don't do all the bad things, but I do the good thing with a bad intention. At the end of the day, even the light that I'm trying to shine, you know, is, is, is darkness masquerading as light? That's... This is why in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, there's a statement that says, all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. You know, when someone said to Jesus, good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus is like, don't call me good. No one is good but God. This is why in the book of Romans, it says, there is no one that is righteous. No, not one. Jesus said to the Pharisees, the righteousness of the Pharisees is not righteous enough because it's only an external righteousness. But where is your heart? What's your intent? 
behind what it is that you're doing. Intention. intention. And if your intention is pure, if your intention is pure, you can be the worst sinner in the world. And God favors you over the person who is so clean and perfect and doesn't cuss and doesn't drink and doesn't, you know, look too long when the person's walking by. It's just so perfect. But you're self-righteous about it. And you judge other people because you think you're better than them as a result of the lifestyle you've chosen. God literally prefers the other one. And so there's that story in the Gospels where Jesus is talking about the, the religious person who's praying to God with his eyes lifted up to the heavens. Oh, God, I thank you that I'm not like that sinner over there. I pay all my tithes. And I fast every week. And I'm constantly praying and reading the scriptures. Oh, God, I thank you that I'm so good and holy. And then the, the, the tax collector, the sinner, he's just looking down. And he's saying, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Jesus is like, that dude is the one who gets it. That's the one who knows God. It's because of the intention. It's your intention. If your intention is in the right place, you can stumble a million times. And, 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 and you are still spotless without blame because it's your heart that God is looking at. So what's going on in your heart? Are you connected to your heart? Otherwise, everything that you're doing is just a show. It's for what? The journey to God is from your head to your heart. In the Sufi tradition, Sufism is like the mystical branch of Islam. Beautiful. It's all about love. And in Sufism, they speak of themselves as people of the heart. And I'm really jealous. <laughs> and I want to steal it. <laughs> because I feel like people who follow Jesus should go by that name. We are people of the heart. People of the heart. The heart has its own wisdom that the mind cannot comprehend. The heart has its own wisdom that the mind cannot comprehend. The heart takes us beyond reasoning. We suffer so much because we try and make sense out of our suffering. And it just makes it worse. We always think that everything we go through has to have a reason. And then what happens when we can't find that reason? Then we start doubting everything. Oh, God is not real. This is all fake. Why do you need a reason? The heart doesn't need to understand a situation in order to accept it. The heart doesn't need to make sense out of a circumstance in order to welcome and embrace it. It just does because it's open. It's open. It's open. I don't need a reason. God doesn't give answers. God gives himself. And that is the answer to everything. It is presence. Presence. This is why the scriptures say love bears all things. If you are connected to love, you can withstand anything that life brings your way. Love bears all things. It can handle anything and everything. It is that strong. Because even if everything on the outside is changing, nothing on the inside will change. Different circumstance, but it's the same peace. 
And when you're connected to your heart, you carry that with you everywhere that you go. Uh, there's an American spiritual teacher by the name of Ram Das, and he says, I hang out with God in my heart, and I love everything in the universe. That's all I do all day. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Literally, while you're at work, while you're hanging out with your friends, while you're at a party. I was at a 70s party yesterday. <laughs> it's this secret communion. That is happening in your heart. Nobody has to know about it. I love not talking to people about who I am and what I do. Because why do, who cares? Really, that, this is for me. This is for me. I just hang out with God in my heart. And I love everything in the universe. That's it. Why are we complicated more than that? We carry all these worries and concerns and stresses. Just hang out with God in your heart all day. Be a fool for God and just cast all your cares and responsibilities into the hands of divine providence. God will take care of it. God will take care of it. And even if it isn't taken care of, you will be. And you're fine. Different circumstance, same peace. Connected to the heart. One last quote from one of the church fathers. And then I'll pray. St. John Chrysostom. He says, find the door of your heart. And there you will find the door to the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your presence with us here in this moment. Today we open up our hearts to the influence of divine love. We receive every good gift that you have to give to us. The gift of peace that surpasses all understanding. The gift of joy. The gift of hope. The gift of life. Help us today to be anchored to our heart. So that when the ego is making a lot of noise, when the ego is making a fuss, we can learn to be still. Discern our thoughts. And always choose what we know will lead to life and peace. We will begin to make a practice with your help, God, of bringing our mind into our heart. Of connecting with people at a deeper level, which begins with us connecting with ourselves in that same way. Help us to purify our intentions. To be honest about our intentions. And to keep you first in all that we do. Amen. Amen. All right. Happy Sunday, everybody. Love you. Have a great rest of the week. Catch you next Sunday. And Wednesdays, we'll be here for Circles of Trust if you want to hang. <laughs>